Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Gordon. This is Steve. So Gordon, what media are you intaking right now? Honestly, this week has been a lot of books I've been using to pray with. I've been really d- diving down into Holy Week. And so I have a Lenten meditation that's obviously wrapping up. And so doing the 33 days to merciful love and scripture, if that counts as media. But outside of that, not not much. So for me, yeah, we've been doing 33 days merciful love. Mm-hmm. Actually, Gordon and I are doing that together. Yep. <laughs> yeah, just some, some scripture reading. I started with some reflections with From His Roots which is a men's group, kind of like a blessed is she, but for men. Right, meditation yeah. on the daily readings. Yeah, uh, and there might be expanding into other things in the future, right. but that's kind of where they're at now, and actually I might be a writer for them, Yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, and other than that, my parents were actually in town That's right. Uh, this past week, so I didn't get a whole lot of like extra reading or anything done by nature of entertaining them and spending some quality time with them because they live like 1500 miles away which i think would be understandable yep but one thing we did see as uh, one of the nights we went and watched the new tomb raider movie which is segue so we're going to be talking about <laughs> today yeah so major spoilers if you have not watched the new tomb raider movie i would suggest you watching that we probably will spoil some of the plot here at the very least play the last two Tomb Raider video games. I have a friend who plays them, and so I've like seen a little bit of him playing it before. And they kind of like pulled plot points from both, and then like hybridized them and made okay. this movie that's kind of similar to some of the games. So if you played the games, it's a little different. They definitely have their own plot twists Story in there. And stuff. That's not as big a spoiler, right? If you played those. So yeah, so there's there's a lot of of cool themes in it. And Gordon actually, as we were preparing for the podcast beforehand pointed this out but he's like i love that we're doing tomb raider for holy week because christ was in the tomb uh, right because yeah. of easter right so he dies uh which we're celebrating we're recording this on good friday so today is the day we we sort of celebrate that and then easter we, we raid the empty. tomb we raid the tomb and it's empty and so in between there you'll be listening to this podcast <laughs> and you can prepare yourselves properly with it the first sort of theme they want to talk to uh, in this movie you have Lara Croft who at this point I feel like is a rather large cultural icon from her video game series in the 90s and then they had the the movie 2001 with Angelina Jolie so this is a reboot sort of movie to sort of mirror the reboot of the video game series where the old video game series definitely had a lot more objectification. Lara Croft was very objectified and in her outfits and things like that. In this movie, she's much more, I would say, more realistic proportioned and more modest 
clothing. Yeah. Like if you were actually running around raiding tombs, you wouldn't be wearing a tank top and short shorts. You would probably be wearing more sturdy clothing. Right. And so they kind of did that, which I thought was a really good move on behalf of the production studios. And so you have Lara Croft and you have her father, Richard Croft. And so the movie starts, she's just like a courier. She's running around just very fit and things. So it takes place. She's British and she's like very rich. So she's had like a good upbringing, but she's like really fighting for the, as much money as she can get. And you can tell that she's really struggling in the beginning. But then as the movie progresses, you find out she's in fact rich. She just needs to sign over that her father has died because he disappeared seven years ago. But she refuses to accept that he's dead. And you have this woman, Anna Miller, who is sort of like the attorney of Croft Holdings, which is her father's company. And she's like, look, like, just sign it over. You know, like, he's been gone for seven years. Sign it over. You gain control of the company, all the money. Like, you're not struggling for money. You know, you're just refusing to accept the past. And that's definitely a theme that we can touch on for a little bit, is it's just, like, refusing to accept of the past, right? Like, to refuse to accept what happened. And we sort of dwell on the past, and I love that old adage of past is dead, right? And I think that that's very true. Uh, when we reside in the past, we sort of die, right? We're, we're dead in the past. Like, we, we can't move forward. We're sort of stuck there. Right. And then Christ has not made us to sort of dwell in the past. Like, we're to look back at the past and remember, right? And specifically, remembering of God's promises, of, like, all that he's done for us in the past, but not to dwell on the sufferings of the past, right? We're to dwell on that, that it continuously moves forward, yeah. right? And we're not supposed to look too far to the future either because that causes anxiety, right? So it leaves us to be present in the well, present, right? And that's sort of where God wants us to live. Beyond that, you eventually find out that Richard Croft, Lara's father, because she discovers this sort of underground treasure hunting thing. When she decides to finally sign over his name, she gets like a puzzle. She unlocks it. There's a key. She runs away without signing, opens it up. Where he's supposed to be buried, she opens that up, and it's like a room underneath Okay. where it has all of his like, tomb-raiding stuff, right? Gotcha. Okay. And yeah, yeah. so this is where she watches a video from him, and it mentions that after Lara's mother died, he had a, a draw toward the supernatural, which we won't talk about because we've talked about several times before on the podcast. And if you're interested, go check out those podcasts. <laughs> but he has this draw toward the supernatural from it, and so he begins to look into all of these legends and myths and he wants to just find a connection and so he finds this thing called himiko it's this ancient queen in japan i believe and there's this like remote island that they they trick her she was this this goddess of death everything she touched died she would destroy things in waves so they trick her into a tomb and bury her alive so that she couldn't hurt anything anymore so he goes to try to find this tomb and then he begins to say how he believes that a ancient organization called Trinity was following him. And he's been gone for seven years because of that, right? He gets stuck on this island. That's sort of the first real major theme I want to talk about is this idea of how sometimes we get obsessed with things and this obsession can destroy us, right? That, that sometimes we get so focused on a particular thing. So whether it be our job, you know, and our vocations, whatever it is, that those things are good, right? That, that, that our vocations are supposed to lead us to God, right? And when we focus on them, that we should innately be drawn out of ourselves into others. But when we sometimes focus on something, whether it be like a hobby or just something we find interesting, to the point where it removes us from others, right? It, it cuts us off. 
then you get these things, right? Her, this, this girl had to grow up without her father for seven years, right? And that took a major toll on her because he was so busy treasure hunting that he forgot right. that he had a daughter. I mean, you don't see it so much in film. There's a lot more of her forgiveness in the film. My friend was playing the game. There is a part in the Rise of the Tomb Raider video game where she's talking and he's like being super obsessed with, because he's like a historian, but he's like super obsessed with whatever is going on plot-wise in that that there's like this scene that I saw, this cut scene, where she's like a little girl and she's like, just stop. And he's like, you don't understand. He's like, I don't want to understand. I just want you to be my dad again. And then she leaves, right? And you can see that that's kind of in the movie, but it's not like as pronounced in that moment. In those moments, you're sure she doesn't want him to go away so often. But he has this adage of, you know, Crofts have responsibilities, right? So the movie sort of continues on from there. And she ends up at this island, right? So she, she finds the son of the guy who took her father to the island. And he takes her to this island, which is just a train wreck to try to get to. Um, it's got all these, like, rocks and things. So just they wreck their boat. There's no way they're going to get home. She washes ashore, and she meets a guy named Matthias. And Matthias represents, I mean, honestly, when you meet his character, you're kind of immediately but this man is very clearly evil right like just very very clearly representing evil here he says that he killed her father he says he killed the guy who's brought him there his father you find that out through lou ren i believe his name is that his father was killed by this man and this guy he's like i've been here for seven years and i just need to find this tomb and he like finds the book because she was supposed to burn all of the stuff on himiko but she instead she uses it to find her father and, you know, he's like, I just want to get back to my daughters. And so there's a scene where one of the workers that basically what this organization is doing is there people like fishermen who get shipwrecked. They get like put into indentured servitude and slavery to like find this thing. And like people who are like seeking smugglers to find a better life, like instead of being going to the country they're trying to find, they end up on this island working for the rest of their life. Right. So very evil sort of intentions, um, mm. putting people into slavery. But you end up having this idea where he's like, look, I'm just like a very good end, right? I just want to get back to my daughters, right? But it's very much consequential. And there's a guy who starts coughing and wheezing because he's being basically worked to death. And Matthias sees this and he walks over and he just shoots him in the head. Oh, wow. And then he like points the gun at Lara and he like cocks it like he's going to shoot her for trying to help him. And then like, let's go, you know, like just showing he has the power, like, right. And, and there's this thing, a lot of times in our culture, there's always this tension of, like, do the ends justify the means? And that's this idea of consequentialism. And we as Christians would definitely posit that, no, the ends do not justify right. the means, right? That that the journey is just as important as the end, right? To sin for a good end is still a sin. Yeah. Right? And we need to, to avoid those sorts of yeah, I've been kind of just thinking on this. And like I said, I've been praying a lot this week and just Holy Week. And so this whole time, and even like before we started this podcast, we were kind of talking about this idea of consequentialism. On the top of my prayer has been Judas. And so I was thinking of how when you're talking about the draw for supernatural and then being getting obsessed and now like the end justifying the means, I'm, he came to mind immediately on the idea of in this movie and you know like you said we're not going to go over it but the draw to supernatural is obviously an allusion to the draw to god or something there mm-hmm. and on that journey we can fall into being obsessed with other things so like idols false idols 
and that could be this trinity that her dad is being obsessed with is following him around on the search for the supernatural and for judas that was wealth and money and almost to the point where this week we see this obsession striving for that festering in the scene on monday in scripture where we have the washing of jesus's feet with the fragrances and he's like why are you wasting this which is worth a lot of money it was millions or whatever for the time um and he's thinking that because he knows he only sold jesus out for 30 pieces of silver and like things like this and like all this coming to mind for him he's being obsessed and they don't we don't really know much about his thought process but i'm sure in his head he is trying to justify his right. actions with what he's doing right. against Jesus the and whole I'm sure, time. I'm sure, like, if they, he had the view of Jesus that he's going to be this sort of warrior king, right? Right. Like, kings have a lot of money, and if he was one of the main guys, maybe he would have gotten some of that, right? Or at least, like, after the whole crucifixion, who he sold him out to yeah. would reward him even bigger or something. Like, he was yeah. chasing this idea yeah. of some good. Yeah, which, yeah, why I'm sure he sold him out for money is eventually he was like, this man, what? Like, this is not who I thought he was going to be, right? Speaking of not what people think they're going to be, in the movie, they eventually get down to Himiko's tomb. I'm going to actually navigate through a bunch of booby traps. My favorite one is the floor starts falling out, and it's like this puzzle, and I forget the exactly how it phrased, but paraphrasing, it says something about like how the queen must die for there to be life, right? which kind of reminded me of like this Christ-like thing. And eventually, they stop the floor from falling out from under them, with giant stones that roll them in to trap them, roll back out, and they can continue. But they get to Himiko's tomb, and they realize that none of the pictures depict her as evil, like the entire time they're in this tomb. And if she was trapped there through a trick, that wouldn't have happened. And eventually, Laura figures out, as they like open up her tomb, and it's like spring-loaded, and it's supposed to scare people away, but that she's very dead, right, which her father did not think. He thought he was, she was like still alive, right, that she was this immortal queen. They found out she was actually just a carrier of a disease that completely destroyed your human, just ate you alive, and like almost turned you into like a zombie sort of thing right mm-hmm. and that she had willingly sacrificed herself right that she wasn't this evil death queen she was a malevolent loving queen that just was a carrier of a terrible disease and knew the only way was to lock herself away and she had the thousand handmaidens who sacrificed themselves to carry like care for her in the afterlife well these handmaidens are probably the thousand handmaidens who came with her you know help her for the rest of her life until she died and they buried her and they were all dead because when she touched them they would eventually die okay it's really really interesting so uh, there's a sacrifice that's made Lara's father contracts the disease by mistake by one of the guys who had the disease and so he knows he's going to die and so he basically is coming to blow up this tomb you know save the world from this ever escaping you need to stop Dice Vogel Right, from the finger that he cut off because he wants to take that back to the Trinity and they want to use it for their own evil purposes. So she stops him and she escapes and her father has made the sacrifice to prevent this disease from reaching... Because the disease would have just killed most of humanity. The chances of there being a Himiko where they were just a carrier and not affected was very, very slim. Right, So it would have just killed most people. And that's sort of where you end up in all of that. So... What you end up having is she gets back and she finally signs over the papers, knowing that her her father has died. But she's like, I don't want to take control. So she gives control over to Anna Miller, the attorney and the person who's sort of running the company in 
Richard's absence. And as she's going through, she finds, as Anna's leaving, she says, are all of these companies our holdings? And she notices the name of this company that is basically the modern rendition of Trinity, the, the whole company she was dealing with. And she looks up at Anna, and she realizes and has suspicion that Anna is actually a member of Trinity, and that Anna knew that her father was alive when she started trying to pressure her into signing over saying her father was dead was whenever Richard stopped cooperating with Trinity, right? And so there's this idea that he was initially working with Trinity to find the supernatural, realize their motives were evil, and sort of backed off mm. from them. Because he's on the island, but everyone thought he was dead, but he's like basically living in a cave. Right. And Laura stumbled upon him. Well, then Laura has this flashback to when her father says, us crofts have responsibilities, right? And she realizes that she can now keep a track on Trinity and beat them to the punch, right? Thwart all their future plans, which is sort of leading into a franchise of movies, right? Every time Trinity wants to find something to gain power, she can get to the tomb first and, and beat them, right? Which I kind of want to talk about because as Christians, like we, we very much have that, right? We have our vocation. And not to contrast with the obsession earlier on, yeah. right? But this idea that we do have a mission and we do have this responsibility to follow through on that. That what we do is not innately selfish, right? Like the obsession is for us, right? This mission is for others, right? Which draws us out of ourselves into this wider world, right? She's doing these things to save people, to save lives, to prevent evil from growing, right? And as a Christian, you know, we are all called to participate in that spiritual warfare, preventing evil from perpetuating itself, right? That that even in our modern day, there is a spiritual battle between good and evil, and like we're still picking sides. Yeah, and I think the hard part that I've noticed when we choose to do that, like kind of follow through with this mission, even just a, the daily mission we're called to as disciples of Christ, is you you think or we assume that means because we're doing Christ's will or like something that we're called to, we won't run into people that disagree with it. Mm-hmm. We'll like we're just like this is supposed to happen, so everyone else is like on board. But then you run into someone who doesn't understand what you're doing or challenges that, and it makes you question if what you're doing is right or if it is actually following this mission. And that's when that can get hard. Right. And I would actually posit that those things happen more when you're actually following. Like Satan's going to throw more rocks at you while you're following the mission. I mean, he doesn't care about the people who are already lost. right? Right. Like they're already lost. What he wants to do is prevent them from being found or right, right, right. from finding the way or if they're on the path or like the light finding them yeah, yeah right he he's like if you're doing the right thing and you're on the right path he's going to try to get you to stray off the right path mm-hmm. and he's going to use all sorts of different things you know and he's definitely going to throw people in there that are going to try to not confuse you but sort of lead you astray right to ask you questions and, and if you don't have the right answers you don't know you know um, but that's a really good opportunity for christians to evangelize definitely I think oh yeah i think it's super important so that it's really all I wanted to talk about today. There's a lot of really cool themes in the movie. You know, just this idea that you know, we need to follow our mission, avoid sort of consequentialism, mm-hmm. and, you know, avoid sort of negative obsessions, right? Which, being in Holy Week, this is a really good time to remember that. I will say, so for the challenge this week. Yeah, I was going to ask that. So for the challenge this week, 
Um, I would have you guys really take a long look at your life, particularly in terms of vocation, right? To really pray about your vocation this time around, what it is that God is asking you to do. I mean, it may be hard. It may not be what you're doing, right? But I, I, you know, I would urge you to actually pray about that, to look in your life and see what your obsessions are, like what it is that you think might be your mission or what you think that like is super important to you, right? And, and being Lent, that's important to, to look at in general. But to look what you really think is important versus what you really feel that God is calling you towards, right? Because sometimes those are the same. Sometimes they're very different. A lot of times God asks us to let go of things that we think are very important. Not that he won't give us in much more abundance, but that we need to have this reckless self-abandonment toward him. To just flee to him in his heart of mercy, right? Cling to it, trusting that, you know, he's the God who gives and takes away. That when he takes away everything, that he won't give back more, right? That that's, that's what God does. He takes the sacrifice of our lives and gives us back more abundant, infinite life, right? And infinite love and just... He's not outdone in generosity in that way. So really pray about your vocation. Look at the places in your life that you really need to cut out because they're cutting, holding you back from a deeper relationship with Christ. And that's sort of my challenge for this week. Yeah, and I like that that's the challenge because we started this podcast off with the idea of like the past is in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's just stuff we'd want to like not look at, not forget about. And with sin or with vocation or, you know, we have what's called the daily examine mm-hmm. where you're supposed to look through the day that you just lived, but it's already in the past technically. So like yeah. if you screwed up that morning, like I don't want to think about that again, but like look through and where have you failed God and where did you fail to see God? Mostly when we mm-hmm. look at the past, sometimes we can look back and we're like, Oh God was like right there. And I just missed it. Right. Um, it's just seeing God work in our lives and pushing us towards this vocation. Like he's been laying, laying the groundwork, laying the signs. And we're, if we actually just meditate back, to see where that was. Right. Or even more importantly, if you're listening to this on Holy Saturday, this is your last day in Lent. You know, I have Mm -hmm. friends that are like, I failed what I was trying to do for Lent. What's the point? Don't get caught up in that. Right. Look back and learn from that. But if you choose to follow through this one last day, that means just as much as if you did it the 40 days to Christ. Absolutely. So, Gordon, do you have any shout-outs for this week? Just Hannah, who is just a good friend that kind of met through some retreats. We just caught up the other day, kind of catching up with some friends before Easter. And she's just making some big big changes, big decisions, which I think kind of fit into mm. last podcast in this. So shout-out to her. Shout-out to my parents. And, yeah, that's kind of about it. Awesome. Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to my parents. Uh, they were just in town. Great, great people. My mom's actually a listener sometimes when she can figure out her phone. Um, and, you know, it was, it was super great to see them. Um, they came down and they thanked the Mattlers for helping me out recently. So, yeah, shout out to them. And we want to thank you guys. Um, yes, thank thank you, you for joining us for the adventure. Uh, please email us, message us on Facebook. Twitter. Twitter. I mean... Text us if you know us, call right. us up, um, pull a Gordon, tell us in person, you know, whatever you guys got to do. We love to hear from you. We want to hear what it is that you're watching in media, what it is that you're intaking, where you're seeing Christ in your life. Heck, even if you just want to say hi, but anything that you guys have that you would like us to talk about, you know, we would love to hear from you guys. Yeah, so definitely. with that, uh, 
thanks for joining the adventure and yeah. see you next time. Yep. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.